hub, and spoke. Audio Collective. This is Rumble Strip by Merica Heilman. The citizenship test. Oh, my God, I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. At first, I thought, mm, should I wear like I had? A, I was wearing a red T-shirt. I thought, ooh, should I wear like a blue and white sweater uh, so that I'm going in the Star Spangled Banner colors? But then I thought, yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's a little much, you know. That's Helena de Groot getting ready for her American citizenship test. And this is her father, Betas de Groot, playing the piano in Belgium, where Helena grew up. Helena is a radio producer in New York City, and when I found out she was about to take her citizenship test, I asked if she'd be willing to record herself talking about what it feels like to become an American. And she agreed. Here's Helena. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I know no, n- more now about the U.S. government than I know about the Belgian government, which I guess is normal. I mean, a lot of people who ask me about those questions for a citizenship exam, uh, Americans, you know, they uh, they didn't know the answers to that. How many amendments are there? My friend said, I don't know, 25? 27. 27 amendments. How many voting members are there in the House of Representatives? 435. What is the longest river? Not the Mississippi, which you might think, which I thought. Nope, it's the Missouri, a river I had never heard of before I started studying for this thing. It's funny to know these things about, I don't know what is the longest river in Belgium. So I grew up in Antwerp, which is a really old city I have a sister. She's three years younger than I am, uh, Elisa. And so it was just the four of us. My parents are both musicians. My mom was a singer and my dad played a piano. And um, every day they were making music together. It was a tiny row house, very drafty. My mom says it was very dark and unpleasant, but I had never noticed because I thought it was the most magical place on the planet. My memories from childhood are mostly about being with my sister uh, and my mom, listening to music, making music, drawing, or reading. So how did you meet David? I met David in Paris, and the first thing I noticed about him were his shoes. He was wearing white, Adidas shoes with the green stripes. And I remember how broad his shoulders were. And that immediately sent like a buzz through my body. I, probably people have shoulders in Belgium, but I have never noticed. And also he just looked so... He had nothing to prove. I'm not saying that David is like a stand-in for all Americans, right? But I, I really think that you need to be from the most powerful country in the world in order to have so little to prove. So we met up at uh, the Centre Pompidou. He didn't know Paris at all. I thought, okay, let's find a landmark that's big and sort of public, because, of course, you're meeting a man you don't know for the first time. And we were just glued to each other for the rest of the afternoon. 
And it was terrible weather. I think it was raining the whole time. Uh, so we just walked around a little bit and found shelter various places. And the only thing I remember is how wholly absorbed I was in him. At some point, it was really raining, and um, and David said, well, I rented an Airbnb close by. If you want, we can go there. So I'm a forward person. I thought this man was incredibly beautiful. So I was like, yeah, let's go to your place. So we get to his place, and we're sitting on the couch. The sides of our bodies are touching, and there is this incredible tension, right? Like this, or this buzz between us. But nothing's happening. And I just got, at some point, I was like, ah! you know, like, so I turned to him and said, are you going to kiss me or what? You know? <laughs> and then he kissed me and it was amazing. And then we had sex and that was even more amazing. I am not wearing red, white, and blue as I was initially planning for just one second. I did not do that. If I wear those colors, I just look French. But I am wearing jeans, the greatest American invention. <sighs> Ah, I wish I was not this nervous. I really wish I wasn't. Um, but it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. It was four years before I saw him again. I was on the West Coast and suggested we may spend some time together. And again, very low expectations. Um, I didn't know where he was in his life, but we ended up driving through California for a week. It was my first road trip. I didn't even have a driver's license. Like young people in Belgium, especially if you grow up in the city like I did, you just take public transport. But here was a man with a car <laughs> and he knew how to drive this car. And then the fact that you can just drive for days and you're still in the same state. Uh, in three hours, you're you're out of the country when you're in Belgium. So... I mean, like, he pulled out all of the, whatever the word is, you know? Like, he went all out on this trip. What I didn't know was that in the meantime, he had, he couldn't stop thinking about me. And so for him, this was serious. This was, like, his his one opportunity to make an impression. Which he did, because on my last day there, we got married. It started going wrong almost immediately. For three years, we lived in California. And I was miserable the entire time. I mean, there was the cost of everything. Rent, a criminal. When people would greet you, Oh, that's so interesting. And, well, you can't walk anywhere. And I didn't have a driver's license. And, you know, stupid things too. Like, for instance, my English was pretty much the way it's now. I knew all the words, but I didn't know which ones you all use. Like, when I wrote an email, I didn't know what tone to strike. How familiar to be. How cheerful. I can't describe to you how long it, like years, it's really years before I could just write an email to a person and then not realizing, oh, she's not from here. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. 
So after being really miserable for three years in California, David took a job in New York. And it's changed everything. The moment we landed, it was snowing, uh, which, of course, after three years in California, you know, I missed that. I missed seasons. I missed being able to walk around. I can just look at people forever, you know. I love seeing people fall asleep on the train. And within weeks, I had a job as a host and producer for a poetry podcast. And I, foreigner, was allowed to interview American poets about American poetry. I just couldn't believe that they would trust me with their literature. In Belgium, this would never happen. You know, you may work behind the scenes, but we're not going to give you a show. Uh, in America, no problem. I love America for that. All right, I just left the building. Uh, and I passed! I passed, I passed, I passed, I passed! But it was so different from what I expected, seriously. He just, like, breezed through the questions. He was super chatty from the beginning. So, yeah, so I passed. One funny thing is that, you know, on the application, you have to say if you're willing to take up arms uh, for the United States. And I, in my application, I had said no. And uh, when I said no to that one, he was like, ah. So I'm not allowed to say that, you know, you should change your answer, but like you should change your answer <laughs> because it's one of the things that you have to say when you take the oath. And if you don't take that, they may actually refuse you citizenship. Isn't that wild? If you refuse to take up arms for the United States, you cannot become a citizen. So I have taken this kind man's advice and lied, I suppose, on my... Uh, exam. <laughs> All of this is so weird. Oh, anyway, funny country and I am now a member of it. I mean, not officially. I, I still have to do the oath, like the ceremony, you know what I mean? The naturalization ceremony. I'm very excited. Okay, this message is too early, but I wanted to record you something anyway, because there's something that happens every month when I'm about to get my period. I really do not want to be in the United States. I can't deal with, you know, you know, the racism, the constant going to war, the way that everyone is just tuned into the big entertainment and consumption machine that that is... That is the way that we all just forget what the hell we're doing, you know? And, um, but the fact that that immediately results in, like, I want to go home. And it's like this every month. <laughs> and maybe it's worse now because I just went home to my parents for Christmas. And I don't know, I'm just filled up with, with home, <laughs> with Europe, you know? I find it hard to come back. And then, you know, David is in San Diego and uh, he calls every day, which is very sweet. And But that's the, the bad thing, you know, about this once a month I hate America thing is that it includes him. And it's happened me enough times for me to know that, that I just have to ignore this feeling and it will go away in two days or so. It will go away and I will 
see David again as a as an individual <laughs> rather than as like the representative of of the US. But right now I can only see his Americanness. I can like the way he speaks, he just has this really California exaggerated way of speaking. What did he say just now on the phone? On the phone, like like this, you know, phone. I know that this is just because I'm gonna have my period. I just hate him and his Americanness. And in two days from now, I will see him again as a wonderful man that he is. I just don't feel it right now. It's like getting sick in a different country, you know? Like that feeling where you're like, like you're on vacation, I don't know, in Italy or someplace and everything is lovely and the difference is lovely and you're soaking it all up and and then you get ill and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I hate this place. I hate that the toilet works like this and the the room smells like so and the butter tastes like, you know, I, I, just the stupidest things become insufferable. And that's kind of what it's, what it's like. And I wonder if that ever, if that will ever change. If there's ever gonna be a moment where this just feels like home. That there's no other home to long for. Okay, I have to pick something to wear. And according to the letter, it has to be Appropriate for the occasion, it can't be jeans or flip-flops. I think I'm just gonna wear a green t-shirt and a white sweater. I'm sorry, USCIS, I will not be your fanciest citizen. Okay, I'm gonna go, I think. I'm gonna just go and I said, oh, I better go, jeez. <laughs> so I'm home again and I right before the ceremony I called my mom and I tried to record that but the sound is just so shitty I could hardly hear her plus of course it's in Dutch and then she texted me so let me let me just read you what she texted Oh, sweetheart, I fully support you, you know? This is your journey and your life. Not the easiest journey, not for you, not for us, but maybe it is. I don't think it was a choice against me. I don't think it was a choice against Belgium. Yes, sometimes it's hard, but it would be that much harder if you were unhappy. I love you very much. I love you very much. Oh, Erica, this is the hardest part about it, you know? This is really the hardest part about it. Like, I mean, I know that becoming a citizen is not, like, you know, I was already here. I was already far from my parents. Becoming a citizen doesn't change that, of course. It just makes it more permanent, you know? I guess my life is here now. Why is that so hard to say? <laughs> oh my gosh, baby! I know! How is it? What's it like to have an American wife, huh? 
I mean, it's the first time I've ever experienced this. It feels great, let me tell you. <laughs> the guy who was like leading the ceremony was really sweet and funny. And then afterwards we were allowed to take selfies. And so people got up in front of the flag and like, you know, and then we took pictures of each other. So I have, I have pictures. Um, oh, God. Of me holding an actual American flag standing in front of a giant American flag. So that is... <laughs> it was all about like, you are now US citizens. I mean, it was kind of cute, you know, because that same guy, the, the guy who led the ceremony was like... Uh, uh, and so you've all received a booklet with the Constitution. And if you open it up, the first line of the Constitution says, We the people. Well, you are now the people. <laughs> So it was really, you know, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said too, you know, like, so now, you know, you have all the rights and responsibilities uh, of, of any, any other American, except of course one, which is, and then a few people shouted, president, that's right, you can't be president, but you can do anything else. <laughs> Okay, I'm outside New York City, as you can hear from the honking. You know, when I first moved here, those first three years, I was so unhappy. And my unhappiness took the shape of rage. And then, once I felt again like myself, and because I found my way back to radio, which is who I am, once that happened, my rage went too. I, I get in, indignated about it all the time, and I write to my congressperson, and I pay money to the ACLU and to like neighborhood uh, support networks, and I fill the community fridge. And okay, I do think I'm still angry. I'm still driven by that, but I don't go between my days angry. And so I realize now that. The reason for my rage was not everything that's wrong with America, but because of the fact that I didn't belong. It, it didn't have a place for me. There's also something about the belonging that you created yourself with friends that you made, with a home that you found, with a job that you hustled to get. And I don't think I would fit in Belgium anymore. There, <laughs> I've said it. I'll always love the place, of course. I'll always visit. But I live here. <laughs> and I like my life here. That was Helena de Groot. She's the host and producer of the Poetry Foundation podcast, Poetry Off the Shelf, and senior producer of the Paris Review podcast. She teaches at Columbia University and the University of Michigan, which is uh, my alma mater. Uh, I'll put links to her work on my website. Just go to rumblestripvermont.com. Just go to the uh, show page and you'll find the links there and also at the bottom of the show page there's a place to make a comment if you so choose 
I love to hear from you. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a collective of excellent independent podcasts from around the country. This week I'm recommending a show that makes a good segue from this show. It's the latest episode of Subtitle, a show about languages and the people who speak them. This latest episode is called Teach Me Your Song, and it explores whether it's easier to sing than speak in another language. You can find all the Hub and Spoke shows at hubspokeaudio.org. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening.